on the road again just can't wait to get on the road again the life i love is making music with my friends Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast and again being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And we are continuing our series of stories from home because there is still nobody traveling. Tonight we're talking about the lost episodes. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And if somebody had told me what 2020 had in store, I tell you that I would have stayed at the New Year's Eve party. What a year we've been through. I were actually at the grocery store yesterday and spied all of the back-to-school supplies. And I thought to myself, good luck. Here in Florida, especially in Orange County, the kids start back this week. I believe the first nine days are virtual learning or distance learning or whatever they're calling it. I feel sorry for the IT staff in Orange County. When it comes to gathering content for episodes, I use a news feed reader or an RSS reader, and it basically combs a couple hundred websites every hour, every couple hours, and alerts me to any new postings or new stories, saves me an immense amount of time clicking around the interwebs and going down the rabbit holes that are there. And so if I see a post or an article that interests me, I'll usually save it, come back to it later as I'm looking for episode ideas or contents. And believe it or not, some episodes take several months for me to gather my thoughts. I know listening to this, it sounds like I fire up Zoom, hit record, and start spewing, but that's not the case. As you could imagine, episode themes have pivoted, and there's that COVID word again, pivoted, over the past few months. And really, many of those episodes have no place to go. There's not enough content to put together much of a show, so we're putting together the lost episodes. I'm on the north side of 50, and I still love having fun at home, at work, or any one of my eight vices that I have must include fun. And Huffington Post put out an article that said, these are the top 10 most fun cities in the U.S. And number one on the list was Las Vegas. I have done countless posts and episodes about Vegas. Personally, I love the town. Fortunately or unfortunately, I did not get the gambling chip embedded in me when I was born. But I do love the food there, the shows there. I mean, where else can you walk down the street and see somebody smoking the devil's lettuce without a care in the world? Number two was Orlando. It's a base camp for me, the Mouse House, Universal Studios, Outlet Malls, and of course, Florida Man, all of which are fun. Number three on the list was New York City, 200,000 acres of fun. I like going around New York City on foot because there's so much to do, so much to see, so much to eat. Chinatown, Little Italy, uh, Soho, there's no way you can do it all in a single visit. And trying to uh, catch a cab everywhere is expensive as well as trying to park a car. So definitely take New York City by foot and take the subway. A lot of fun. Number four was Miami. I grew up in South Florida, and Miami is this wonderful international melting pot of culture and music. Fun place. I'm not much of a beach person anymore, but still a worthy stop. Chicago is one of the towns on the list that I've never been to. Our family went there a couple years ago and loved it. 
They were stationed on the Miracle Mile, Million Dollar Mile, Golden Mile, whatever you want to call it, close to everything. So they had no need to rent a car. Unfortunately, there was some rioting along that area over the last weekend or so. So I'm not sure how much fun it is now. Atlanta came in at number six, another one of my favorite towns. So much to do from the world of Coke to the aquarium to the CNN Tower. No shortage of stuff to do in the Atlanta area. Easy town to get around in, easy town to get to and get back home from. San Francisco was number seven, and it's been a few years since I was there. From trolley cars to the wharf, again, a pretty fun city. Portland, Oregon, number nine, hadn't been there. Or number eight, have not been there. San Diego, uh, another place that has been quite a few years, but a very cultural city, probably one of the best zoos around. And following it up with number 10, L.A. A quick Google search will tell you that L.A. is a fun city or watch any of the reality shows on TV. And the plan for this was some sort of a summer travel episode of these cities. Between COVID, the riots, murder hornets, etc., this will probably get repurposed for a 2024 episode, and I'm sure those top 10 cities will be juggled around somewhat. Lifehacker is another one of those sites that I stumble across quite a bit, get a lot of inspiration, and they asked this question. Can you call dibs on overhead space for a flight? The article goes on to say, I have long subscribed to the idea that overhead baggage space, like online seating assignments, is allocated on a first-come, first-served basis. If you board late, you're S out of luck and might be one of the ones forced to check your carry-on at the gate. This comes with the exception of airlines that restrict overhead baggage space by cabin class or don't allow carry-ons for basic economy flyers like Delta. Is it a D-move to place your bag above another passenger seat? Yes, it is a total D-move. If you are the first to board and you prefer a specific row, in my case it's row 9 on Southwest, it is a total D move if I stash my carry-on in the bins over seats two or three or rows two or three. Why? Passengers in row two or three are now forced to find overhead space someplace else because my D move took their overhead space. Once they find overhead space, which is going to be further back in the plane, they now have to go upstream against the flow of passengers trying to return to their seat and delaying the boarding. So yes. Your baggage goes in the bin over your seat. Pretty simple. Don't be a D. And that article was going to be combined with a few thoughts from the points guy with six suitcase mistakes we're all guilty of making at least once. Uh, his first one was back attacking fellow passengers. Far and away, the biggest culprit is when people turn sideways with their backpacks on and end up hitting fellow passengers in the shoulder or face. I can tell you that flying in and out of Orlando means one thing, kids. Lots of kids and almost every single one of those kids comes equipped with a backpack. And being a guy of larger carriage and preferring the aisle seat, seat 9C on Southwest, I get hit by backpacks on a regular basis. Also being a guy of larger carriage and fairly solid build, it can be quite jarring for those little backpack wearing darlings when they slam into me. Number two was being an overhead bandit. Another grievance is when people put their carry-ons in the overhead bins nowhere near where they're actually seated. We talked about that just a minute ago. Play by the rules and put your carry-on above your seat. Don't make things harder for everybody else just because you want special treatment. Number three, playing bin Tetris badly. Always put backpacks, briefcase, purses, whatnot, jackets, and small items beneath the seat in front of you if they fit. 
don't take up more overhead space than necessary because it slows down the boarding process and do not put your bag in the overhead bin sideways. Hogging the carousels if you have to check luggage. Yes, there are exceptions, very few, but I've done about a 180 on this. Don't stand in front of the luggage carousel as you wait for your bag to show up. You know why? Because you're blocking everybody else's whose bag is already on the belt. Number five, letting the bed bugs bite. Bed bugs like to travel and a suitcase is the perfect method of transportation for them. If you happen to bring some home from a trip, remember to ditch your old suitcase and buy a new one. And that is typically why I tend to not put my suitcase on the bed in a hotel room. Hence, they're called bed bugs and not coffee table bugs. And number six is forgetting there are other travelers. Two words that go pretty well with this is grace and patience. And if you have an abundance of both of those, it will make your traveling adventures a little bit easier. How about some of the little things that make a big difference in your hotel stay? Elevators, something so simple and yet something so important. Ever stayed in a high rise hotel with slow elevators? Yeah, elevators are very important. And we actually recently stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn in Savannah, and the floor of the elevator mimicked the twister board. There were blue Hilton and Blaze dots stuck to the floor, indicating proper social distancing. So, yes, elevators are important. And if you've ever wondered why elevators have mirrors inside and out, the number one reason is distraction. Looking at yourself distracts you from the amount of time you spend waiting or riding in an elevator. Wi-Fi speed, not as critical as it once was, but still a deal breaker. Typically, the closer you are to the center of the building, the stronger the signal. And also, the closer you are to the center of the building where the elevators are, is you're going to hear a lot of foot traffic throughout the night. So it's kind of a uh, payoff whether you want faster internet speed or a quieter sleep pattern. Toiletries. Toiletries are important, especially if your hotel of choice still stocks individual bottles. Are you listening, Marriott? Doubletree Hotel stocks Crabtree and Evelyn, something so insignificant, but also puts a smile on my face when I take a shower in the morning. Fridge and microwaves, important, especially if it's a multi-night stay. Check before you book and don't fall for being charged to have a microwave or fridge delivered to your room. Unless you happen to be staying in Vegas, you're going to be paying for it. Fitness centers, most hotel chains have actually gotten it together when it comes to the fitness centers. Gone are the days of missing dumbbells and treadmills that stall or stagnate when you uh, try to run on them. They've actually upped their game. Most of them have some kind of an agreement with Procore or Precore, one of the big fitness companies throughout. And I have actually seen some hotels with C2 rowers in them. So they have definitely stepped up their game. And then finishing it up, on-property food service, hot-cooked breakfast, traditional restaurant or room service, those things are all important. If I'm hungry at 8 p.m. and I don't want to get in my car to go find food, And there's times when scrolling through endless screens of Uber Eats isn't what I want to do either. On-property food makes a big difference. Plus, a bag food, not my gig, our recent Hilton Garden in-state didn't offer their traditional hot buffet. It was a styrofoam box container ready to go, ready to eat. So yes, on-property food service does make a big difference. And currently, the little things that make big difference focus around cleaning, masks, social distancing, and sanitation. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in an episode. We did manage to take a trip about two weeks ago, so we've got some updates on what the hotels seem to be doing. 
travel has changed and my prediction is that the future vacations will lean more towards road trips and there's nothing wrong with that. We usually take one every year. I love it. Got a few tips when it comes to that. First is make sure your sled is ready to roll. Makes sense, but often overlooked. Tires, wiper blades, wiper fluid, oil change, you know the drill. Your dad hopefully told you. And besides, no one wants to be stranded anywhere, whether it's a parking lot, a bridge, side of the road, especially if you have a carload of griping family members. Make your reservations before you go. Another one that makes sense. I never leave home without having at least that evening night's hotel room booked. With everything that's going on, you might want to call to the hotel ahead of time to make sure that things like the pool is open and what kind of food service they have. Things have definitely changed. Do your due diligence on where you are going. Remember the Griswolds and their trip to Wally World? Sorry, folks, parks closed. Not every place is open with their new normal business hours. Uh, just last weekend, Disney World shortened their operating hours by an hour or so. So things are changing up. Make the phone call. You don't want to end up with a bunch of disappointed family members. And what goes along with that is pack a bit more. What? Yep. But not necessarily closed. Think food. When you get hungry at 10 p.m. at night, there may be no place open in the hotel or close by. While not always the healthiest things, beef jerky, crackers, protein bars will get you through a jam. If you're wanting to take some perishables with you or keep drinks cold, don't buy a $300 Yeti. First, for their size, they don't hold much. And second, it's a $300 cooler. Go with the Fetty. My favorite is the $70 Igloo BMX Family Cooler. Holds ice for four days. That should be plenty. And don't forget gadget time. It's a pandemic, and after all, we all need some new car gadgets. Spend $25 on a car power inverter. Typically, they'll have two AC outlets and a couple USB ports. The AC outlets are more important than the USB ports. Think about charging laptops. Uh, say no more. Compact jumper starter and portable charger cable set. We have a set of jumper cables in every single car here but no need to depend on somebody else having to give you a jump. Those compact jump starters work, and they, plus it's an additional uh, charger for your cell phones. If you've got small kids, consider buying a headrest tablet holder. I know it sounds silly, but sometimes those little kids get whiny and don't want to hold something. Strap it to the back of your headrest, and off you go. And then following it up with a dash cam possibly a bit overkill. I have one. Thankfully, I've never had to pull the video for an accident but it could go a long way in making your case, especially if the accident is not your fault. If the accident is your fault, roll down the passenger window and toss that little thing right out it. Put together a pretty solid playlist, no matter what your jam is. Have a few favorites bookmarked on Spotify or iTunes. It'll make the time pass. Books on tape, audibles, uh, podcasts, there's all kinds of things to listen to. And then finishing up with accessories, but not for your outfit, but for the fun stuff. You plan on taking a GoPro, purchase some extra batteries as well as mounts. GoPro have mounts for just about everything. Chest mounts, head mounts, backpacks, your shoulder, your wrist. Pretty, it's endless. Uh, grab some new video angles when you're filming. If you're packing a DSLR camera, buy a tripod. They're cheap. You're in your car. You have the room. If you're taking a road trip, allow some time for side trips off your route. You'll never know what you'll find. You'll never know what you're missing out on. And here's a quick side trip story 
that didn't go so well. About 17 years ago, we found ourselves in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, locked and loaded for a 9 a.m. Friday meeting. And Myrtle was about or is about five and a half hours from the office back in Georgia. So with the Friday morning meeting, we knew at best we were going to be back to the office somewhere around 5 p.m. The uh, meeting starts and the client calls an audible and wants us to tour their Pauley Island, Island facility if we had time. Now, the Pauley Island facility was about 45 minutes south to where we were. We really didn't need to tour the site, but they left it up to us and welcomed us back the following week if it worked better. As they say, never put off tomorrow what you can do today. Besides, neither one of us looked forward to another 10-hour road trip the following week. It was roughly 1 p.m., a little bit after 1 p.m. when the site visit was wrapped up. We were hungry, being in the low country of South Carolina, we wanted seafood, so we stopped at Captain Tony's or Captain Bill or some Captain something something restaurant. By 2 p.m., we were back in the car and embarked on what almost had to be a six-hour-plus drive back to the office. I'm riding co-pilot. This was long before the wide acceptance of GPS units, before Apple or Google Maps. I've been overlooking the Rand McNally Road Atlas, looking for any kind of shortcut that would save us any amount of time. As my finger is tracing a route across the page, the ride in the car suddenly gets rough. I look up and we've pulled off to the side of the road. I look over at the pilot of the car and say, what's up? He says a sign and points out the front windshield. Looking straight ahead, I see one of those brownish embossed historical marker signs and the pilot wanted to read it. And this went on for several hours as we hit the back roads of South Carolina, heading back to the office in Atlanta. Every so often, he'd take a break from the signs and pull over to a roadside sand for a bottle of jam, a cider, a jug of chow chow, who knows what. <laughs> Finally, around 6 p.m., we find ourselves just outside Greenville, South Carolina, maybe an hour, hour and a half from the office. The end is in sight. The pilot says, you hungry? Immediately, I knew what this meant. You see, the pilot never missed a meal and his meals were always of a sit-down nature. I said, sure, while internally I'm going, Ugh. So we find an old country buffet or a Ryan's, if you remember Ryan's. I didn't say his sit-down meals were good. I just said he likes to sit down. It's Friday night. The parking lot is full. We walk in, and everybody inside the place knew everybody except for us. As soon as we walked in, the whole restaurant turned to see who we were. And guess what? We weren't part of the regulars. So somewhere around 8 p.m. that night, we made it back to the office. So yes, side trips can go sideways. By contrast, a side trip that has paid off in spade is my trip to the National Whitewater Center outside Charlotte, North Carolina. I've talked about this numerous times. Years ago, I was driving back to Atlanta one afternoon, saw the signs and decided to investigate since that time. I've taken my family there. I've gone for solo visits. I've even held a job interview there. So there is some benefits to the side trip. Well, there you have it. If you have a comment, you can leave a voicemail over at anchor.com or send me an email at travelfrick at gmail.com. Each day we're getting closer to traveling and returning to travel safe. But until then, I'll stick with stay safe and thanks for listening.
Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.